Welcome to Last First State Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode 400 with Holly Martin, going on 100 dates to find love. Hello, everybody. I am Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late for love and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and in love. What is a woman of value? She is someone who knows her worth and she shows up, stands up, and speaks up. Every week I bring you a tip on how to become that woman of value, and this week's tip is know when to say yes. It's important to know when to say no and when to say yes. So when to say yes, and this is actually a great tip for this week because Holly said yes to a lot of amazing opportunities that got her some really interesting dates. And so we'll be talking more about that. But often we, we hesitate about saying yes to things that make us uncomfortable, things that are way out of our comfort zone and we often don't get those opportunities again and so I'm all about taking those adventures and getting out of the comfort zone on a regular basis so my challenge to you today is say yes to something that you've been thinking about whether it's related to dating or to work or to something in your life that you've been wanting to try and you just were hesitating so say yes And uh, before I bring Holly on, I just wanted to remind everybody that I have a free Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date and is a fantastic place to to get positive reinforcement for dating. It's a confusing world out there, and especially we're in the middle of the coronavirus now, and I post really important information to help you move forward with confidence. And there's, there's not dating rules, but there's guidance and it's it's a kind it's a kind group of women and so join us positive kindness your last first date and now for our guest holly martin holly martin is the author of would it kill you to put on some lipstick one year and 100 dates and if you're watching this on video here's the book and um i loved it she is a writer she's a storyteller and a memoirist, and she's a frequent flyer when people can actually go on planes, and, um, and she's a former Wall Street executive. She was born in Toronto and raised near Vancouver. She's a graduate of Columbia University in New York, and she has a Master of Fine Arts degree in creative writing from Queen's University of Charlotte in North Carolina. She divides her time between Connecticut and California, and now I think Washington, D.C. too. And she has a daughter and a dog. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Holly. Thank you, Sandy. Uh, I'm so glad to see you. I know she, Holly had to uh, reschedule because of the coronavirus, so she had to fly or drive back home? I flew, I flew back last week on a plane with three people and I was well, three passengers wow. <laughs> and the crew. Yeah. So, Amazing. but we, you know, we're just doing what we have to do to hunker down and get through this next few weeks. And I think we're going to come out on the other side of this. Yeah, I know we will. I, I think this has really brought a silver lining to a lot of people. And uh, it's important to kind of rethink our lives now that we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I was just talking to you before the show about the fact that you just published this book. I think it came out like the week that everything got shut. Yes, March 15th, March 15th. 
Yes. <laughs> really bad timing. And you, you had a Today Show thing that had to get canceled. And you, you, know, and you also travel so much. So tell us, like, what are you doing with all these changes in your life? Well, you know, I, I'm making the most of it. And I am thinking hard about what I do and why I do it and reflecting and, and taking stock of, you know, the choices I'm making in my life. I mean, I think like at any point in our lives, there are pros and cons to a situation. So like I'm sure you are doing, trying to make the most of it. Um, obviously dating, going out into the world is not really a possibility right now. Although I have to say I had my first FaceTime date over the weekend. Oh. And, it, and it actually went surprisingly well. And it, it went better in the sense that I was surprised to, to actually glean um, quite a bit of information about this person um, just via technology, which I had never tried before. It, FaceTime is a great way to date. I've had two FaceTime dates and it, it requires us to really rethink how we're dating and how people appear on video. I know one of the guys I video chatted with was holding the camera in a <laughs> terrible angle and like right up his nose, you know, it's like <laughs> trim the nose hairs, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> and, um, you know, just... We have to think that somebody's seeing us. There's, there's, a, there's a viral video going around now. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Poor Jennifer. No. It's a, a woman who was part of a video conference call who went to the bathroom in the middle of the conference call, not realizing that if she put her phone on the floor, people could still see her pulling her pants down. And, and people are like, no, Jennifer. <laughs> oh, no. So note to, note to self. Oh my goodness! People can see you on video. <laughs> it's oh like goodness. anyway, yeah. So um, you went on these amazing dates, and I I love the book. I I was telling you last time we chatted that I get a lot of books because I interview a lot of people, and the storytelling was wonderful. And you know, you you left us kind of wanting to know more about each character, and and there's some really wonderful characters that you met and you had you had experiences that I think a lot of people wouldn't have because you were willing to do a lot of things that other people aren't willing to do which is kind of what I was referencing but I think don't, don't give it all away I'm not I'm not <laughs> so let's let's back up and just start with why did you write this book well I had been studying writing I had you know a Wall Street career um, and actually I had studied fiction and I was working on rewriting a novel I had done for my thesis for my master's program. And then suddenly I was going through a divorce and I was just, you know, riveted by the drama in my life. And it was all I could do was, was I figured I might as well channel all this angst. And I, what really was the inspiration for the book was I was sitting in a spa feeling sorry for myself and I pick up a women's magazine and I read this article um, about this, this journalist who was in a similar position to me. She'd been widowed. Um, this poor woman actually had a newborn baby and, and her husband had passed away and she had crossed paths with the late Joan Rivers and Joan Rivers noticed that she was letting herself go 
And Joan says, would it kill you to put on some lipstick, set up one of those online accounts, go on a hundred dates and you'll meet somebody. And it struck me, you know, in two ways. First of all, I, I needed to stop feeling sorry for myself. And, and uh, the second thing was, was I started to think, could it be as simple as choosing to get out the door? And wouldn't that be an interesting challenge to see if I could meet a nice guy in a hundred dates or less? And so that was sort of the inspiration for the book. And I wrote it um, over the, about a, a year in my life. And it really, the book got away from me in the best of ways. It, it became about dating. Obviously the people I was meeting and the stories of, of the people that I was meeting, but it also became about me reflecting on how did I get to this moment in my life? What choices have I made? You know, is it men? Is it me? And what mistakes have I made? And how can I choose differently going forward? What can I do better in this next part of my life now that I have this new opportunity? And I started to, to see that rather than my divorce, and it was actually my second divorce, um, rather than it being a huge failure, that it was actually an opportunity. Wow, man, I could not agree more that divorce, we have, we have options about how we look at any challenge in our lives. You know, we were just talking about the coronavirus, which is a challenge. For many, they're falling apart. And for others, they're finding ways to adapt. And I think divorce offers us the same thing. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to reflect and take responsibility for what we can do differently which creates a different future. And a lot of people never take that time and they keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And you had some big realizations. So share with us one of the biggest areas of learning and growth that you had. Well, I mean, I, I had a, a lot, but one of them that just came to mind further to what we're talking about now was I was in a bar, um, gosh, I don't know, somewhere midway through the book and uh, when I was writing the book. And this man at, was asking me, um, you know, are you divorced? And, and I said, yes. And then he said, how many times? And I said, twice, actually. And then he all of a sudden at the top of his lungs pretty much yelled in the bar, two-time loser. Ugh. And I... I was sort of struck by it, but then I was almost laughing to myself because I realized that this was really what I had been afraid of all the years that I had stayed married and had suppressed, you know, this feeling that this marriage wasn't right and it was probably never going to be right because a lot of what I was afraid of was what other people would say about me. What would my family think of me? What would my friends think of me? And that moment in the bar was actually kind of freeing. You know, here was this jackass who didn't even know me, you know, insulting me, but it, but it was freeing. And I realized that it, the only thing that matters really is how I think of myself, not what I might perceive as what others may or may not think of me. It really doesn't matter. It's not the, not the way to live your life. It's not, um, you can't live that way. It's a recipe for disaster. Oh, so true. That's, that's, a, that's huge. And uh, I think so many of us live our lives in fear of 
what will they say? I, I was listening to Brene Brown's new podcast as she was interviewing Glennon Doyle, whose book Untamed just came out. And she was saying the same thing. She, when she divorced her husband and fell in love with a woman, she was petrified about what the world would say and especially what her mother would say. And yeah. she finally freed herself and just said, this is my life and I have to live my true, my truth, my authentic life. And I think we need more people doing that. And when you own your truth, then you really start to radiate that out to the world. I, th I think that's right. And, it, and I think you, you also have to be realistic that that inner peace doesn't come right away. You're going to have to fight for it. There's going to be a lot of bad days before there's a lot of good days. Mm -hmm. It took me, took me a few years to, to get to where I am now, psychologically, emotionally. Um, but I didn't give up. And I, you know, it's, you, you kind of have to do it in baby steps, right? You can't completely change your life overnight. Mm -hmm. You have to be realistic about that. But it's entirely possible. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because it's not instant. You spent your whole lifetime in one way of being, and it's like we we start to have realizations that that wasn't healthy, that didn't work for us, and yeah, we are going to piss people off. We are yes. going to hurt our children. We're going to hurt other people in the short term. I, I remember my daughter coming to me a couple of years after the divorce. She was so angry at me, and she called me every name in the book, and she. She just said, you ruined my life, you know, for the hundredth time. And, I, and yeah. I, I finally just said to her, you know what? I never did this to ruin your life and I'm so sorry, but you have options. You can learn new ways of being in, in this divorce situation and, you know, going from home to home, or you can remain a victim the rest of your life. You know, mm -hmm. if you're ready to learn some new skills, I'm here to teach you. Mm -hmm. But we have choices. Again, we have choices and how, how we look at, yes, it's hard. And, and I think, Balancing both, you know, I think every situation in life that's difficult has, it's hard and I'm learning. I'm pissed and I'm also happy. Like you can be both. You can be many things at one time. Completely agree that it's, um, there's almost always, you know, there are multiple truths at whatever moment we're at in our life. And, and these opposites can exist you know, at the same time. And, it, and if we come to, you know, welcome the fact that not everything's ever going to be perfect all at the same time, some pieces will be great and others we're working on. If we can accept that that's really how life is, it gets a lot easier. Mm -hmm. It gets a lot easier. And, and I think too, what I found was that you know, the advantage to aging, the advantage to getting divorced in midlife, especially if you've had children, is it frees you up to think differently about who you might be looking for as a, in a partner. If you, you know, choose to be partnered again, whether that's marriage or just a boyfriend or a girlfriend, um, I found that because I wasn't going to have any more children, the person I was thinking about growing old with might you know was probably a is is a different person than I was thinking that I needed to be with when I was in my twenties and thirties. Um, one of the things I wrote about is I I think that a lot of us do want to have families. We want to get married and have have the kids, 
And biology kind of sets us up. We are forced to choose our partner, um, you know, in our 20s and 30s, generally, while we're still, our identity is still developing. And it's not that mysterious that we wake up in our 40s, we've finally figured out who we are and the person we're sitting across the table with who we're married to may or may not really reflect who we are now at this moment in time. I think that's, a, I mean, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that's a, a factor in why a lot of marriages end, um, you know, and, and also too, you know, just the business of raising kids, raising a family. It's hard on everybody. It's a wonderful experience, but it's not easy. No, it's not easy for a lot of reasons. One is that we come face to face with our parents how we were raised, we have to figure out our value system. We may differ from our spouse. We often do. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's exhausting. Um, mm -hmm. We are basically in survival mode for a lot of our lives until we reach that time when we can be more about ourselves. And I think that we often are raised that it's selfish to take care of us. And what I have learned is that we have to take care of ourselves and, and it's the best thing we can do for our children. I, I was telling my daughter who has kids today that when she takes care of herself, she is the best role model for her girls and for her son because they see that's what they should do, you know, but we mm -hmm. weren't raised that way. Most of us were not raised with self-care as a good thing. It's, we should be selfless. And so this second half of life where you're looking for a partner for partnership, not for a good dad, you know, somebody yes. to, you know, raise kids with, it changes the whole, the whole relationship and, and what you're looking for. I totally agree. And, and hopefully by this age, we've learned a thing or two, right? We, we've yeah. acquired a bunch of skills. I know I'm a much better partner than I was in my 20s and 30s. I'm mm -hmm. a better communicator. Um, I'm probably more patient. I, you know, you learn, right? Hopefully, um, we get better at this as we age. Yeah. And communication is a big piece of it. And, and then one of the things I loved about your book is that you weren't afraid to tell men how you felt, you know, you, you were pretty bold about telling men, especially in vulnerable situations. So tell us a little bit about that. Like how, how did you have the courage to just, you know, tell men where, where you were at in the relationship, even if you weren't getting it back on the other end. Well, I think it, you, <laughs> I think you're, you're right in the sense I learned that sort of midway towards the end of the book. At the beginning, I, I in hindsight, see, I was kind of terrified to, to speak up for myself, partly because I'd never really dated that much. And I didn't really know I didn't really understand men that well, and I was nervous. Um, but then over time, I realized that the kindest thing that I can do for the people I'm dating, as well as myself, is, is to respectfully exchange, you know, communicate about my needs and their needs and see if they match up. And, and that's really the, the kindest thing you can do. Um, you know, these days, people ghost each other and all that. I, I really think that's just not cool. There's, yeah. I think it's a, to anybody, I think everybody deserves um, a little honesty and kindness and clarity. 
And that, that clarity is the kindest thing. And I learned that, um, you know, don't leave people guessing, don't leave them hanging, treat them the way you want to be treated. Just give them a, a clear answer as to where you're coming from. And it makes dating easier. It makes it more dignified. It, it preserves the other person. You know, it, you, you want to, you want that next, you know, even if that person isn't right for you, you want him or her to go off into the world feeling good that they've met you, that, that their life is maybe a little better because they've met you, not worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very true. I think that dating is about a lot of no's. And I think if people go in thinking, I don't want to hurt that person, so I'm just going to kind of like not respond to their texts, you know, and it's, it's so much more hurtful to have somebody just disappear, especially if, if you thought the date went well, like what happened? You can just say something kind, you know, like I, I think you're a really nice person. I just didn't feel the match, you know, the spark I need to continue. Yeah. It's not a big deal, but people don't know how to do it. And it's texting has really gotten in the way of healthy communication, unfortunately. But we can we can do the, our part in trying to restore dignity to dating. I, I agree. I think I I just think that we can't use technology as a crutch, right? We should use it as a tool to enhance our lives, but we should not allow it to be some kind of a smoke screen over our humanity and treating people properly. So agree. Let's let's talk about going on a hundred dates. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big thing to set out to do. So how how did you do that? So I told myself I was, you know, I was like, okay, how am I going to get the hundred dates? So um, I did what Joan Rivers suggested. So I, I went online and I, you know, signed up for some apps. And then the second thing I did was I told myself that whenever my daughter was visiting with her dad, I would not eat out. I, I would not eat home alone. I would go out. I would make an effort. I would go to a local restaurant and sit up at the bar and order some food and see if I might meet somebody, man or a woman, to strike up a conversation with. And then the third thing that I did was I told friends and family, hey, if you know of anybody, you know, if you want to set me up, I'm interested in meeting, you know, a, an appropriate single person. And so those were the three, the three ways that I ended up getting all these dates. And it worked. And I think, you know, had I not been writing the book, would I have been as disciplined as I was? <laughs> Probably not. But it really worked. I, I really transformed my life rather quickly in the sense that, you know, when you, when you get divorced, you kind of lose a lot of people, right? You lose friends, kind of go off and choose a, choose a side sometimes. And, and also, um, you know, you, you, need a, you need fresh new people in your life. You need a new circle. And this process of going on all these dates brought wonderful women and men into my life, many of whom are dear friends of mine to this day. It's not, and it's not just about meeting men. I've made some wonderful female friends. And actually one of them set me up with somebody on a blind date that I ended up dating somebody for two years. Hmm. So that's, you know, that was after I finished the book. Um, so, um, 
and by the way, in the book, it's not a hundred one-off dates. As, you know, you've read it. So some of them were repeat dates, but, mm -hmm. um, and, and I ended up having um, two, well, really three relationships that developed over the course of that year. Yeah, which is amazing. And, and I think one thing I want to highlight, because I think people often go into situations with one outcome that they want. And it leads to disappointment. So if you go on dates, hoping that each person you meet is going to be the one, otherwise it's a bust, you know, like, so that's how a lot, I used to date like that when I was younger. I mean, you know, I'm looking for a husband. Oh, this guy's not the one, this guy's not the one. And it was just a whole bunch of disappointments. And when you go in with an open mind and you did, you went in with I don't know what it's going to be. It could be a new friend. It could be a, a woman who it, maybe I'll become friends with her. Who knows what will come of this? And that leads to magic. And I, I think that people really need to listen to this because opening up to these adventures, opening up to going to a restaurant alone. So let's talk about that because I have some clients who do that. And they may do that, but not make eye contact with anybody. So there's a way to do it to be friendly and social. And there's a way to do it where you're just kind of eating alone. So tell us how you did it. Well, I, I, I think at first I felt kind of awkward. I was like, wow, I don't, wow, this is, you know, I felt uncomfortable. I felt a little odd. I'd been married for so year, so many years. Um, and then I just started to realize and look at what I was doing and think, you know what, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I have the right to be here. I'm getting out, the, getting out of the house. Um, I, I trained myself to put down my phone. <laughs> Don't stare at your phone. Put down your phone, look up, chat with the bartender, look over to the person to your right and to your left and generally people will speak to you. Many, many times people will be happy to have a conversation. And, um, and I, and I've been struck over the years, just how much, how many, how many people actually really do crave conversation, right? That if we do put down our phones, we, we can, even if you don't end up dating the person sitting next to you, they're going to teach you something. Um, your life is going to be better because you've met that person, you know, it's, it's, it's honestly been pretty rare that I've had a bad experience. Um, I, the other thing I, I realized is that I think as women, we've been conditioned by society that maybe there's something a little suspect about a woman going out alone. I've, you know, I've heard people make comments like, oh, if a woman goes out alone, she's looking for something versus a man who's simply going out to get a meal. He's existing. He's living his life. And I think we need to sort of rethink how we think about ourselves. There's no shame in going out alone. Um, there's nothing sleazy or, you know, anything. A woman has the same right to be out in the world as a man. And so you got to hold your head up high and, and start to retrain how you think about the experience. I love that. I, I think that, again, it's, it's, be open, um, make conversation. And, and I, I agree with that. I think that even when you're just taking a walk, I mean, smile at people, talk to people. You'd be surprised how many people don't, don't do that. I mean, 
I used to have trouble with that. I had trouble making eye contact. I was too shy. I didn't want to, I didn't want to disturb people like all these crazy mindsets that are not true. And so I think this is great advice, no matter where you go, you sit on a plane, talk to the person next to you, sit on a bus, you know, make conversation. People really need to talk to each other. Yeah. We need each other. We really do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think whether, again, whether it leads to a, a romantic outcome or a friendship, or even if it's just for in that moment, um, it adds to our lives. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I have a friend who went to a hiking meetup, and I think it was a hiking meetup. She met a woman who she became friends with, invited her for Thanksgiving dinner, and ended up meeting her husband, who was sitting next to her at Thanksgiving. And that's through a woman she met at a meetup, right? So it's, she's exactly. thinking, I'm going to meet my husband at a Thanksgiving dinner, you know? Exactly. You just, you just never know. And, you know, what, you know, sometimes I've hesitated on going on a date. And then I think, well, what, you know, what if I don't like him? What's an hour out of your life? Mm-hmm. You know, go have the cup of coffee or go have one drink. If you don't, if you're not having a good time, just after an hour, you can leave or less, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal. You know, right. don't try not to overthink it. I think I, I've been struck by, I've had friends go through divorces around the same time as me. And I, I've been struck by how many of my girlfriends have just sort of said, Oh, I can't do this. I won't do this. Mm-hmm. There's, they've, there's so much resistance. And if you can just get past your own resistance, I promise you it's going to be worth it. And if you make it a priority, like going to the gym or brushing your teeth, say, I will go out on one date a week, or I will leave the house. I will take time and go and have a glass of wine at the local wine bar once a week. Just that one act alone could really change your life. Yeah, very true. And what we're talking about really is mindset shift. Because I think that so many people go in with this mindset that dating sucks. There are no good people. Uh, I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too this. I'm too that. You know, and it's like you're coming with all these beliefs that are not true, that are limiting you in your dating experience. So when you go in with an open mind, like you keep talking about, I mean, that's, that's the thing that really came through in the book, that you just have this open spirit about talk to this guy, you're at a party, talk to that guy, you know, somebody much younger, older, it doesn't matter. You know, you dated people on both ends of the, of the spectrum. And I think the other thing too, is I, I started to realize, and, and I talked about this at the beginning part of my book, is I looked at, you know, how was I raised? What were my earliest um, perceptions of myself? And the perceptions that of myself that I was really had you know, largely reinforced by my family was that I wasn't attractive. I have a younger sister who's, who had modeled. And so my sister was the pretty one and I was the geeky librarian. And so I, I ended up living a big part of my life with that idea in my head. And, and so when I started to date in my forties, I had to also overcome um, some of those old perceptions of myself. And over time, I started to realize, okay, I could grow my hair a little longer. You know, I, you know, I had much shorter hair. You know, I could buy some 
cooler clothes. I don't have to dress like a mom every day. Um, you know, I was kind of wearing dumpier clothes. I could change. I didn't have to live up to the Holly's old idea of Holly or my mother's idea of Holly or my first husband's idea of Holly. I could change. I could become whatever I wanted to be. And, you know, we can always change and grow. And, you know, um, I, ironically, I think I'm, you know, I probably look better now than I did in my twenties in the sense that just cause I carry myself differently, you know, I have more confidence. I laugh more. Um, I loosen up. I, I, there's no question that I think I attract better, uh, vibes. You know, I, I, I think we, what we put out into the world comes back to us. So if we're all kind of hunched over and insecure as I was in my twenties and thirties, um, that was my experience of life. But when we, we, you know, become determined to change, you know, life changes accordingly for the better. So true. It's what a beautiful message that I hope people are listening because first of all, anybody who looks at you now is like, she's beautiful. Like, like how could she ever think she wasn't attractive? And I, and I went through, I can relate to so much of your story. It's, I, you know, I thought I wasn't attractive. My husband never really told me I was attractive. And when I started dating again, people would say really nice things. And I'd be like, okay, I have to not say, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I have to really right. work at like yeah. not correcting them and not apologizing and just say, thank you. That's so kind. Thank you. And it's like, you know, just learning to appreciate compliments and, but I think that that, that internal transformation, because I, I totally am not the same person I was 12 years ago when I got divorced. My kids don't remember me back in those days because I was a different person. I really mm-hmm. was suppressing so much of who I was. And I think that's the beauty of when I do dating coaching is watching a woman blossom, watching her step into her authentic self it's incredible what happens when you start to shine, you attract people more. I mean, guardedness does not attract. Right. It it repels because people don't know what to do with it. They don't want to work that hard. I mean, people say, Oh, I'm an onion. You have to peel back the layer. I'm like, nobody's got time for those onion layers. Right. Yeah. That's, we got to peel those ourselves. That's what do that. on. We got to do that on our own time. (laughs) Right? Do that at home, yes, and then come to the date with already peeled, you know, because it's you're making a first impression, you know. Nobody's taking time to get to know you three dates later and find out you have a great sense of humor or that you're a really warm person, but you don't trust anybody, and so you keep all these guards up. It's yeah, got to do the work, ladies. Um, so and, it's, and it can be really fun when when you finally embrace it as an adventure. I mean, it's, it's pretty fun. You know, you can, the people that you meet and the the worst case scenario is you end up with, you know, a really good story as I, I, as I ended up with a bunch of them. Right. (laughs) Yep. It's either a great date or a great story. I would say. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So can you share any other dating tips? I know you, you encourage people to go out alone. You encourage people to, you know, look up from their phone and not be so, you know, insecure and and bring your insecurities with you. What else can you share with our audience? So we, we talked about the ways to get the dates, right? So definitely use the apps and the apps are getting only better and better. They're, they're 
wonderful ones. I particularly love Hinge and Bumble and and so lots of lots of good apps. So do that. Definitely put the word out to family and friends. Let them set you up. What's one hour of your life? What could go wrong, right? Give it a shot. Um, go out regularly. The um, the other funny thing, and I, and I didn't write about this in the book, but I've discovered this recently, is I used to wear, a, I have a lot of pretty rings. And sometimes I would wear them on my ring fingers. And, you know, I'd, and I would think, oh, they're cocktail rings, or people aren't going to think I'm married. The minute I stopped wearing zero rings, so you see I have no rings on, I got asked out more. I think, I think men get a little scared sometimes, or they, they can't tell whether it's a ring or not. If you wear zero rings, I swear to God, it works like a charm. Save the nice jewelry for at home for yourself. I, that, that's a new one that I've discovered. Um, the other thing, and I write, I write about this in the book, is you know, if you're anything like me, you know, sometimes you think, oh, what do I wear? And you know, it takes time to get the hair done and get the makeup on and the clothes. And rather than rip apart your closet every time you're going to go on a date, set aside like maybe five outfits, put them in, you know, one section of your closet. And those are your date outfits and, and the ones that you feel good in no matter what, whether you gain a few pounds or you lose a few pounds where you feel amazing, almost like your um, dating uniform. So, um, so I think those are my main tips. I mean, other than the fact that, again, it's about prioritizing your love life. It's not like a, you know, a magic, it, you know, you, you can't have magical thinking that you're just going to trip over somebody in the street. I mean, it's possible, but you have to be consistent about it and, and choose to find, make it a priority that choose that you're going to try to bring love into your life. I think yeah. that pretty much, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I, I missed? But I think those are the most important ones. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're all great. I think that people give up, they're not dating, and they wonder why they're not finding love. <laughs> they, they, they don't, they want to find somebody, they just don't want to do the work. They don't want to get out there. And I'm like, you wouldn't do that with a job. Like you wouldn't exactly. say, exactly, right? I'm, I'm really looking for a job. I'm thinking really hard about it. And I'm sitting home doing nothing and watching Netflix. So why can't I find a job? I mean, nobody would do that. It's exactly like finding right. a job. And, right. and in, the, in the same way, like finding a job, you might actually find a really good job after one or two interviews, or you might have to do a hundred interviews. Right. It's the same thing. It's, it's kind of a crapshoot. And you're networking and you're, you know, I'm, I, I'm watching my daughter who's out of work now with the coronavirus and she, um, she works in the music industry and music industry is in the toilet right now. So, so she's networking. She just contacted somebody who she met at an event who is in management, music management. And the woman was so kind to her. She said, I was wondering when I would hear from you. I was looking for an, an email from you or a message on Instagram. And I'm so glad you contacted me. And, and it's a great contact for the future. But it's that act of actually doing something about it, you know, not just thinking about it, but doing something. And you are a doer. And I love that. And, you know, you have a great, great attitude. And, and you know, I think people have to get their heads out of magical thinking that the UPS guy might be the one. <laughs> because he's not going to be the one 
pretty sure about that, especially in the age of coronavirus when you can't even come too close to your door. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, the other thing I was going to say too is so then once you get the dates, right, once you're getting yourself out the door, then the next stage of this is you have to, to be smart about screening up front, right? So I'm sure you talk to your clients about this. So, you know, you got to keep your eyes and ears open and listen very carefully when people tell you who they are and believe them the first time as as the saying goes. (laughs) Um, I think one of the things I learned was that there are certain red flags that you got to look for. And and I I was slow on the uptake in the beginning on seeing the red (laughs) flags, but then eventually I started to know and understand what they were and to respect them. For example, if a man tells you, <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I, I gave myself, uh, put myself through a lot of pain by not listening. If a man says he doesn't know or if he doesn't want a relationship, believe him. <laughs> You're not going to change his mind very likely. Would you agree? Yeah, well, that's another problem with women is we try to fix men. And, you know, they're perfect, except I'm going to be the one who's going to make him want a relationship. And that's magical thinking. So as I'm reading your book, I'm going, when is she going to realize that this guy isn't going to be available? Wake up, Holly, wake up. Right, but those are the (laughs) sexy ones. Those are the ones that hook you. And so if you ignore that and you get involved, it's really hard to unhook. It is. I've been there. I've been there too. I mean, it's, you know, you have to to pay attention. I, I dated a guy once who said, yeah, I'm just newly divorced or separated and I'm, I'm dating, but not, no one seriously. Like I'm not, you know, can't have a serious relationship. And by that time, I already had known myself well enough to say, um, I will date you, but I won't sleep with you. And I won't give you my whole heart. Like I, I you know, I'll date you until it's not fun anymore. Basically, <laughs> that's what I said to him. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I mean, because I, I knew I'm not going to get in there thinking I'm going to change him. But he was fascinating. He was brilliant. He was talented. He was much more interesting than the men I was meeting. So we went to concerts together. We went out for dinner and we hung out for a while until he became a horrible person. <laughs> he, was oh, like, no. he, he did something really, really unkind. And I just said, you know what, this isn't fun anymore. And I'm, I'm, I'm done. And he said, oh, well, can we still be friends? And I said, well, you're not my friend. I mean, that was the thing is like, he just, he abandoned me in a time of crisis and did something disgusting. And I'm it's sorry. just, uh, yeah, no, it was fine. I mean, it was good. I was able to cut loose and cut it off, but he didn't get it. He didn't get that, that, that what I said I meant mm-hmm. and that I was done. And he, and he tried to call me and I wouldn't pick up. And he's like, but why aren't you picking up? I'm like, cause you're not hearing me. You are not my friend. So yeah. I, it took me a long time to get to that point, but now I won't even entertain these guys. Like it's, it's not, it's not worth the pain and the heartache, but you have to go through it sometimes to learn to, it. To learn it. Yeah. Like it, in, in the book, you know, I end up getting wrapped up with this emotionally complicated player, basically. Yeah. Took he me fascinating. It, oh, he was. He was. I mean, no regrets. I mean, there was. A, we had some amazing times. But would I put myself through that again? No. I, I would have listened, on the second or third date when he said he didn't know what he wanted, and I would take that as a, 
major red flag that because I do want a relationship that this is not going to be the guy for me. Yeah. And I think um, when we, we get super clear on who we are, what we need, what we want, it all becomes so much easier. It's just we're, yeah. we're not hurt. We, we quickly let go of people and we don't do it in a mean way. We just go, you know, this isn't what I'm looking for. And a lot of it is timing. Um, you know, when you're talking about this gentleman who had just come out of a divorce, um, I, that for me is, is a bit of a red flag. I've, I've been in situations pretty consistently. If you meet a man who's either separated and going through the divorce or newly divorced, they aren't ready for a relationship. A lot of times they're wounded, you know, they're bitter. We're all a little bitter and hurt <laughs> when we first get divorced. And, and it's, I think for most men and women, we kind of have to be single for two or three years before we really start to heal and get ready to, to commit again. Yeah. So, you know, I think the sweet spot is to meet somebody two to three to four years after they're fully divorced. Would you agree? I think the timing is important, but also what they've done in those two, three years. <laughs> so yes. you yes. can be 20 years post-divorce and still be stuck, you know, yeah. and so I'm looking for people who have done the work on themselves, who are self-aware, who take responsibility for what they created. Just like you said at the beginning of the show, you were willing to look back and say, okay, I've been divorced twice. I'm the common denominator. What do I need to change in order to attract in a healthier relationship? I mean, that's mm -hmm. what we all need to do if we want to attract it in. And what we often do is just we keep repeating. And yeah wonder what's wrong with what's wrong with men why do they all abandon me why are they all emotionally unavailable well you are making choices and so when i hear somebody get into victim talk about how all their exes took their money and did all these things to them that to me is a huge red flag mm -hmm. because they are still in victim and have not taken responsibility for their part in it mm -hmm. so that to me timing is important but really, really being responsible and knowing how to, how to be kind to each other throughout this whole process, because mm -hmm. dating is, is hard. Um, it brings up a lot of wounds and emotions like you talked about. And if you're not taking care of yourself, then you take it out on other people. So mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. <laughs> I mean, just I love talking to you. Um, I just think that that you have such a great positive message for women um, to get out there and date and and make it a priority. Make it a priority and do things that make you uncomfortable and be proactive. You know, it's I, I think that that's that's the overall message is we have to all be proactive. So. Tell us how people can find you, Holly. Okay. Well, you can find my book. It's out now. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes & Noble and bookstores. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. My Instagram is at Holly L. Martin, and it's M-A-R-T-Y-N. And my website is hollymartin.com. So, yeah, you can find me in those places. And also, I actually have a book trailer. Um, so you can find the book trailer on, on YouTube, which is kind of fun. I don't know if you had a chance to check it I out. I did. I love it. And I will post the link to it. I posted the link to my Facebook group and I said, you guys have to watch this. I'm having her on the show. Um, so yeah, no, it's really fun. I love it. I, and again, that's a risk. You, you put yourself out there and you, you know, you did a fun 
book trailer that was different than most. So I'm not going to give it away. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for thank coming you on my so show. so much. I really appreciate it. And yeah. good luck with the book. And um, thank you all for listening today. And um, if you love this show, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day.